Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in the Bible series in the Pastoral Epistles with this sermon entitled, The Epiphany of Grace and Glory, preached May the 10th, 2015. Today, we want to speak to you from Titus chapter 2, 11 and 12, the Epiphany of Grace. So the text is Titus 2, 11 through 15. And listen, friends, maximum brilliance should be demonstrated as we hear the word of God. God himself is speaking to you through his servant. Look at us. In Acts chapter 3, silver and gold have I none, but we have something. That you really need. The gospel of salvation. Look at us. A true Christian lives his Christian life. Of good works. In the light of two epiphanies. Our text Titus 2 11 through 15 speaks about. We live daily looking back. To the coming of Christ in history. In humiliation to accomplish our redemption by his death on the cross. And at the same time, we eagerly are looking forward to his coming in glory to complete our salvation. We live between the epiphany of grace and the epiphany of Glory. So Paul tells us in the Word of God, Romans 5, verse 1 and 2. And let me read to you. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen, through whom? We have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and we rejoice. Looking forward. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. In Titus 2, 1 through 10, Paul exhorted all saints to do good works. Old men, old women, young women, Titus himself, young men, and even slaves. In chapter 2, verse 11 through 15, he tells us the theological basis for our ethical life. Good confession of the Lordship of Christ must be followed by good conduct, holy life. Credible confession and what, sir? Credible conduct. And Paul exhorts us in chapter 26 of the book of Acts. 
beginning with verse 19 and 20. So then King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. First to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem and in all Judea and to the Greeks also. I preached that they should repent and turn to God and prove their repentance by their deeds, by their conduct. So we are talking to you about the epiphany, the appearing of grace. This is speaking about the first coming of Christ. This coming of the Messiah was promised, of course, in the Old Testament. The coming of the son of David. He came in grace to save sinners. The blind Bartimaeus called out to him, Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon me. And Jesus healed him. Let me ask you, have you cried out? Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon me. Saint Simeon was told that he would not die before seeing the Messiah. The incarnate son of God. And he saw him and prayed. Luke chapter 2, 28 through 32. Let me read it to you. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. Let me die. Because my eyes have seen your salvation. In this baby Jesus. Salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all people. A light for revelation to the Gentiles. And for the glory to your people Israel. In Jesus Christ. The grace of God appeared like the appearing of the sun. In the morning, dispelling all darkness. Jesus Christ, the Son of Righteousness, appeared with healing in his wings. Jesus, friends, was the embodiment of grace. So we read in John chapter 1 In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the word was God. And this word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only. Who came from the father full of grace. And truth. Let's praise God for grace. Where do you find grace? In Jesus Christ alone. There is no other savior but Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is the embodiment of grace. In the person of Jesus Christ, grace is seen visibly and in its fullness. 
Old Testament believers were also saved by grace. But the incarnation of Jesus was also the incarnation of grace. We are told that God is a God of grace. God of all grace. 1 Peter 5 verse 10. And the Holy Spirit is called Spirit of Grace. Hebrews 10 verse 29. And Jesus Christ became incarnate, full of grace. And let me read to you 2 Timothy chapter 1. And here again we are told about grace given to Jesus Christ from all eternity for our salvation. 2 Timothy 1, 9 and 10 God has saved us and called us for what sir? Called us for what? A holy life. If you don't live a holy life you are not saved. It's that simple. God has saved us and called us to a holy life not because of anything we have done but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior. This is speaking about the first coming. The appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death. Can Mr. Obama destroy death? The Supreme Court justice, can they destroy death? But the one who destroys death is Jesus Christ. And has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. That's why we must listen to the gospel. The gospel alone, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ presents you eternal life. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before creation. In eternity, when God elected us to salvation. You see, God loved us and elected us before creation, before we were ever born. Jesus Christ came revealing the fullness of grace to the undeserving sinners who merited God's wrath and everlasting judgment but friends we did not receive what we richly deserved by his grace he justified us forgave all our sins and adopted us as children of God he came to our hell to take us to heaven to enjoy eternal life with God forevermore This grace of God brings salvation to all sorts of people. All sorts of people. Here it is in Colossians 3 verse 11. And we are told. Here there is no difference. Here there is no Greek or Jew. Circumcised or uncircumcised. Barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. But all... But Christ is all and Christ is in all. 
And let us listen to Galatians chapter 3 verse 28 and 29. There is neither Jew nor Greek slave or free male or female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Friends, we have been saved by grace through faith. And this grace, I am telling you, is found only in Jesus. All other way of salvation is based on human righteousness. Which is reprehensible in the sight of God. There is no other savior. Did you read that today? Acts chapter 4 verse 12. There is no other savior. Jesus said. I am. Ego eimi. Emphasis. On his person. I am. That means I am and no one else. The bread of life. I am. And no one else. The light of the world. I am and no one else the gate for the sheep. I am and no one else the good shepherd. I am and no one else the resurrection and the life. I am and no one else the way, the truth and the life. And he said no one comes to the father except through me. And finally I am and no one else the vine for fruit bearing branches. And we connect with him by saving faith. Even that is the gift of God. We read today in chapter 3 of Acts. Faith is a gift and repentance is a gift. This epiphany of grace. Is pointing to the birth, life, his teaching, his miracles, his death. His burial, his resurrection, and his post-resurrection appearances. It is pointing to his life in its entirety. This grace in Jesus saves all those who repent and believe in him. Without discrimination, distinction. He saves not the righteous. He saves sinners, only sinners, only the worst sinners. He saves no self-righteous person. Common grace, thank God, is for all. But the special grace in Jesus is for the elect, repenting sinners only. It is the saving grace of our Savior, Jesus. So let me read to you what St. Paul speaks about himself in chapter 1 of 1st Timothy. Beginning with verse 13 through 17. Listen friends. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was Poured out on me in abundance. 
along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Faith is also a gift. And love is also a gift. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Of whom I am the worst. And if you don't understand that, you cannot be saved. But for that very reason I was shown mercy so that in me the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus, might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. See, he must praise him. Because he was shown mercy. And friends this grace. I am telling you is unmerited. You didn't merit it. What did you merit? Condemnation. Judgment. And let me read to you. So you know what I am saying. Romans 5, 6 through 10. You see at the right time when we were still what sir? Powerless. When you are powerless it's the right time for God to save you. When you are powerful it's the wrong time. It doesn't save you. You see at the right time when we were still powerless Christ died for the ungodly. God justifies the ungodly. God died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And verse 10, for if when we were God's enemies, we took arms against God... But if when we were God's enemies we were reconciled to him through the death of his son how much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through his life. This grace not only saves us we are told in the text Titus 2 and verse 12 this grace not only saves us but also Teaches us, trains us, chastens us, empowers us, comforts us, convicts us, guides us, enlightens us, and so on, and so on. Turn with me, sir, the book of Deuteronomy, which you are reading. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 5. God chastens us. Worship and serve God, how serve with fear and trembling, because God chastens us. Deuteronomy 8 5 Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. After 40 years, he is looking back. This great God of grace killed. 603,548 plus people. Let's have a little fear and trembling. Work out your salvation house with fear and trembling. And in 119th Psalm, let us turn to it. 
and verse 67 before I was afflicted you see chastening the ministry of the rod before I was afflicted I went astray I went astray God afflicted me chastened me applied his rod to my life now I obey your word verse 71 it was good for me to be chastened afflicted so that I might learn your decrees and so on and especially we read in the classical passage Hebrews 12 about chastening sir you see God doesn't chasten those who are not his God doesn't chasten illegitimate children chastening by God is a mark that you are legitimate sons and so let me read to you verse 7 through 10 Hebrews 12 endure hardship as discipline that disease for this reason many of you are weak and sick and many die lack of money and everything else have you ever thought about that maybe God is disciplining us in his great love endure hardship as a discipline God is treating you as sons for what son is not disciplined by his father if you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline if you are not disciplined then you are illegitimate children and not true sons moreover we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it you see do you respect your parents when they discipline you because it's a mark of love you bow down and respect how much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best they were not perfect but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness and verse 14 without holiness no one will see God he's coming in glory sir Jesus taught people all his life on earth grace teaches Jesus taught people all his life on earth then the apostles taught now pastors and teachers who are Christ's gifts to the church preach and teach the whole bible See how relevant is the text. And parents are to teach children. In fact, Ephesians 6.4 says, Nourish them in the scriptures. Nourish them. In other words, the word of God is the bread of life in Greek text. Nourish them. And the Holy Spirit is sent to teach the church. It is the ministry of the Holy Spirit to teach us. John 14 and 15 and 16. Let's turn to John 16 and and verse 13. Holy Spirit, sir, we are reading through the book of Acts. Without Holy Spirit, you are not a Christian and you can live a Christian life. 
John 16 verse 13 but when he the spirit of truth comes he will guide you into all truth he will not speak of his own on his own he will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come Holy Spirit ministry is teaching Jesus came teaching the prophets taught Jesus taught the apostles taught and the ministers of the gospel are teaching the word of God friends we never graduate from this school of grace never graduate we don't graduate here we don't graduate in heaven we are to grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ 2 Peter 3.18 we are to grow in grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ here and in heaven we are not going to be gods we are going to be creatures and we are going to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our God So grace teaches us two courses, two courses. One is negative, the other is positive. Negatively, grace, that is Jesus Christ, that's the Holy Spirit, teaches us to renounce once for all, all godlessness. Godlessness, asabeah is the root problem of a sinner the fool says in his heart there is no God he is an atheist Ephesians 2.12 uses in Greek the word atheoi atheists this atheist knows God but daily suppresses that knowledge by doing a multitude of wicked acts the root of atheism that is godlessness produces bitter fruits of evil deeds so let me read to you what I preached and wrote about the book of Romans chapter 1 very important chapter speaking about total depravity of man verse 18 the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness that's the root problem and wickedness that's the fruit of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness every day what is the root problem? Asabea. Ungodliness. Denial of the very existence of God. And what's the fruit? Therefore, all sorts of violations of God's law. Grace teaches us and enables us to renounce the root of ungodliness and the fruit of worldly lust every form of sin he who stole let him steal no longer but let him work with his hands that he may have something to give to those in need 
you see radical change to be brought about here and now as we live in, in this world. Godlessness and what's her worldly lusts. And St. John tells us in 1 John chapter 2, do not love the world or anything else in the world. Be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything, everything in the world, the cravings, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the father but from the world that is from the devil the world and its desires pass away boasting of what sir things the world and its desires pass away but the man who does the will of God lives forever Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning with verse 9. What is it? Grace is teaching us to renounce all godlessness, the root and the fruit of all evil deeds. 1 Corinthians 6, beginning with verse 9. Listen. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral that is the first in the list nor idolaters nor adulterers nor male prostitutes or homosexual offenders nor thieves nor the greedy nor drunkards nor slanderers nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God and that's what some of you were notice were no longer are but were but you were washed You were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Friends, when grace takes charge of our lives, sinners repudiate all sins in true repentance. And the second course, positively, we live the new life. He enables us to live the new life. We begin to live our new life in the power of the Spirit according to the will of God in the Holy Bible. Sophronos, an adverb. We live a self-controlled life, which is Holy Spirit-controlled life, which is Bible-controlled life of sound mind. If anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. The old is gone, new has come, we are born again. We have new disposition, new mind, new will, new affections. So as individuals, we live a disciplined, self-controlled life governed by the Bible truths. That's what an individual is to live. Secondly, we live a just life, dikaios, meaning we treat others justly. We live, we love others as ourselves. 
You go home and read First John 3.16. We must love others as Christ loved us and died for us. Did you see today's reading? They sold properties and brought everything into the church so that no one has any need. We treat others as we treat ourselves. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength and your neighbor what? As yourself. That's a biblical standard. So we treat others justly. We love others as ourselves. In Micah 6 8, what does the Lord require of you? The Lord requires of us to do justly. To love mercy and walk humbly before our God. We treat others righteously, justly. Because the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and what sir? Joy in the Holy Ghost. We treat others as brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers. We are members of God's holy family. And finally, first our relationship with ourselves, how we should be, second toward others, and third toward God. And toward God, we live in godliness. The opposite of that was ungodliness. What transformation. God has changed us. By the power of the spirit. By the power of grace. We are no longer ungodly. We are godly. We love God with all our heart. With all our mind. With all our soul. With all our strength. And toward God we live in godliness. In holy reverence. Pagan lives. Pagans live ungodly lives. We live In holy reverence to God. A reverence that shows in this. We hear and do his will. So we hear and do his will. Fear of God keeps us from sinning. And love for God keeps us obeying the will of God. And that's what Jesus did. We read in Hebrews 5, 7, God heard his prayer because of his godliness. Hebrews 5, 7. And in his high priestly prayer, he says in John 17, 4, I brought you glory by doing what you told me to do. Don't come and tell me you love God when you don't obey him. In fact, the mark of a Christian is obedience to the Holy Spirit. We are told God gave Holy Spirit to those who come on, sir. Obey him. Say it again, sir. Obey, obey him, sir. If you don't obey him, then you are not a Christian. And Titus 1 1 grace demands godliness. Christian life should be a demonstration of godliness. Therefore, good works. And turn with me to 2 Timothy 2.19 and write it down and memorize so that it will keep you from stupid theology that says Jesus is Savior but he doesn't have to be what's a Lord. These are stupid people all over this country promoting this nonsense and then export it. You go to Nigeria and any part of the world you will find this nonsense. 2 Timothy 
chapter 2 verse 19 nevertheless god's solid foundation stands firm sealed with this inscription the lord knows those who are his you can claim what you want but he knows who are saved and who are simply making their own stupid empty claim but listen now there is a test by which you can know The Lord knows those who are his and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must demonstrate the confession by conduct how we live everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must sir demand require not optional sir you know if after a while you just want to love God more you can obey him but but you don't have to do right now it's up to you he said what he says sir saint paul didn't believe it how come you fool theologian you teach this nonsense because you want to sin and not only that you want other people to sin therefore i draw the conclusion you are inspired by the devil who controls this world everyone who confesses the name of the lord did you confess the name of the lord then you are told this must what sir turn away from all wickedness and then titus tells us we live this holy life not in heaven in this evil age where darkness prevails where the devil is called the god of this world in this age this world is immoral corrupt under the control of the devil jesus said matthew 5:14 through 16 you are the light of the world a city on a hill cannot be hidden neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl instead they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and praise your father in heaven and turn with me to the book of philippians and it will he will tell you what we should do not only jesus but saint paul told us in chapter 2 beginning with verse 14 do everything without complaining or arguing first they start arguing with the preacher do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of god without fault in what sir a crooked and depraved generation we read that crooked scoliosis in today's reading in the book of acts without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life living the word of life and declaring the word of life in order that i may boast on the day of christ that i did not run or labor for nothing friends we live a holy life in every aspect of our life in the world worship 
work life, marriage and family, social life and so on. We live God-pleasing life by the power of the Spirit. We are told I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And we do all things by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. We put off evil and put on Christ. And we are told without holiness no one shall see God. Grace saves us. Grace teaches us to do two things. And grace enables us to do what grace demands. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Which God has foreordained that we should walk in them. God is able to make all grace to abound to you. That you may do all good work. You see sir. Christian life cannot be lived by our energy. But we can live it by his power. That powerfully works in us. Titus 2.11-15 For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared. So we are talking to you about the epiphany. The appearing of grace. I said it teaches two courses. One positive and the other negative. Negative is to say, to renounce, to reject, to forsake ungodliness that's the root problem manifesting itself sins of various kind positively to live self-controlled life that is individual lives self-control it describes an attitude that should characterize the inwardness I must be self-controlled And you must live upright toward other people. Just dealings with all people. So, inward, otherward, upward. I-O-U. Three adverbs used. Sophronos, dikaios, and eusebos. Verse 13, 14, and 15. While we wait for the blessed hope. And notice the language. The important point is here. The glorious appearing. The Greek is blessed hope of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is described here with utmost clarity as great God and Savior. And what did he do? Verse 14. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from what's a all wickedness. Away from all wickedness. And if you are wicked and living in sin, you are not a Christian. You are not redeemed. You don't belong to Jesus Christ. You can live in a Christian home, go to a Christian church, forced by everybody. But you are not a Christian. 
Because the purpose of Christ's death is to redeem us from all wickedness, anomia, lawlessness. That's a Greek word. What is sin? Transgression of God's law. And to purify for himself a special people belonging to Christ. That are his very own eager, zealous to do what is good, to live holy life. These then are the things you should teach, encourage and rebuke with all authority. And now finally do not let anyone despise you. So this is the charge. Do this with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. So I said there are two epiphanies. Appearing means epiphany. That's the Greek word. One first is the epiphany of grace. But it is really epiphany of Jesus Christ. His first coming. In humiliation. He came to die. That we may receive grace to be saved. Now we want to speak to you about the epiphany of glory. He is going to come again in great glory. And every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess. Everyone will see him in all his glory. So as we live godly lives... In this evil world, we look back to Jesus Christ of history, who made manifest his grace by his life, death, and resurrection. But also, we look forward to his epiphany in glory. That is the second coming of Christ. And so in the Greek text, he speaks about the blessed hope of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Nobody else is great God and Savior. There is no other salvation in anyone else. You have the freedom to worship whatever you want. You can worship yourself. Take a picture and, and put it there and, and say this is the church where I am worshipped. So blessed hope of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. This is speaking unambiguously with maximum clarity. That Jesus Christ is great God. And Jesus Christ commands you to repent. He commands all people everywhere to repent. And of course we find that he is God in many places. Paul says in Romans 9 verse 5. There's are the patriarchs. 
And from them is traced the human ancestry of Christ who is God over all forever praised. Amen. Romans 9.5 Colossians 1.19 For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus Christ. Colossians 2.9 For in Christ all the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form. John 1.1 In the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. John 20 verse 28 Thomas is confessing to Christ My Lord and my God. Saint Peter 2 Peter 1 verse 1 Peter writes to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Lord Jesus Christ is God. He is great God. And he is Savior. He is great Savior. And through me, he is speaking to you. We are ambassadors of Christ. Through me and through all God called ministers, he is speaking to the world. We are the trumpets, the megaphone. So we look back to his first coming and look forward as we live in this world. Look forward to his glorious appearing. Appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ to this planet. He's going to come. To give us the fullness of salvation. This is our blessed hope. The unbelievers are without hope because they are without this great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Their dread of the dark future awaiting them. You think about unbelievers, old people. What are they thinking in the middle of the night? Maybe tonight is going to happen. Then what? And they think that's the end of it. It's not. But we eagerly and daily are waiting Christ's epiphany in glory to glorify us. This world is, friend, is not our permanent home. 1 John 2.17 The world and its desires pass away but the man who does the will of God lives forever. We are pilgrims here. We refuse to settle down in Sodom as Lot did. He did not know God was going to destroy it by burning it down. Like Abraham, we sojourn here living in tents. Looking forward to a heavenly city. The new Jerusalem with foundation whose builder and maker is God. 
and you read my book on the book of Hebrews in one sense we are already there in one sense we are already seated with Christ so then we have a heavenly perspective as we sojourn in this world 70 years or by reason of strength 80 years then we have to exit either to hell or to heaven and this perspective adjusts our thinking by not conforming to this world this heavenly perspective adjusts and transforms our mind to live for God's glory so you read Colossians chapter 3 since then you have been raised with Christ set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God set your minds on things above not on earthly things for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in in God when Christ who is your life appears then you also will appear with him in glory or 1 Corinthians 1 7 therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed the epiphany of our Lord Jesus Christ Hebrews 9.28 So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people and he will appear a second time. Not to bear sin, not to die on the cross, not to be spat upon and beaten up. But to bring salvation to those who are awaiting for him and his people are awaiting for him and St. Paul in prison he is about to be beheaded 2 Timothy 4 8 now there is in store for me the, the crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge will award to me on that day and not only to me but also to all who long for his epiphany appearing Sir, he is coming soon. He is coming in glory. He is coming to transform us and everything else. You don't know him? He is going to come in glory, sir. Let me read to you Daniel 7. In my vision at night I looked and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory and sovereign power. All peoples, nations and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed destroyed our great God and Savior Jesus Christ is coming with all authority into this earth which belongs to him Matthew 25 31 when the son of man comes in his glory 
And all the angels with him he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. Friends, this is our blessed hope. Sir, he is coming in glory. St. Peter says in 2 Peter 3, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live a holy and godly life as you look for the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where dwells righteousness. And St. John tells you, 1 John 3, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that's what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are the children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, that is in glory, his epiphany in glory, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself as he is pure. Friends, he is coming to make everything new. The second coming is glorious, unlike his first coming when his glory was veiled. He was God. And God man. But his glory was veiled, veiled. He was born of a woman, born under the law, to live and die the death of the cross that he may destroy death and bring life and immortality to light through the gospel. Grace. In his epiphany of glory, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And we will see him as he is. This eager waiting for his second coming spurs us to live a holy life in this world without worldly distraction. That's why we look look forward. So Jesus told us, be careful, Luke 21, be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down by, with dissipation, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. This is called third soil syndrome. And that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen. And that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. So friends, let us live here now. With eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, forsaking all sin and living a disciplined, righteous and godly life. For us, friends, Christ's 
glorious appearing is a blessed event but to every sinner dead and living it is a terrifying event Matthew 25:41 then he will say to those on his left depart from me you who are cursed listen into the eternal fire prepared by whom by Christ himself for the devil and his angels and those who follow the devil what was the purpose of his this incarnation first incarnation paul now answers he gave himself in the death of the cross to redeem us from all bondage you see an unbeliever is in bondage he's a captive he gave himself friends not less than himself he gave himself voluntarily he gave himself as our substitute in our place he gave himself because he loved us he gave himself the righteous for the unrighteous to bring us to god in glory he gave the infinite ransom price to the father for our infinite sin and what was the price sir let me read to you first peter 1 for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers but with the precious blood of christ a lamb without blemish or defect and listen to this Matthew 13 again the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls when he found one of great value he went away and sold everything he had and bought it and i interpret jesus christ was looking for something worthwhile to buy and he found you and he found me and he gave the infinite price to buy it for himself he gave this infinite price to redeem each elect sinner because of his infinite love for each of us friends jesus christ died our death that god may be just in justifying sinners who believe in jesus our redeemer Did you hear all that? God cannot willingly forgive us our sins. He is just. Therefore, he will justify justly because your sin was put on him. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Think about it, sir. Do you have anything to worry about? God paid infinite price for each one of you. You are redeemed, saved from all bondages. You are free. 
He set us free of all bondage of sin, law, Satan, death, the world and the flesh. That we may live to serve God alone with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Friends, he looked down from all eternity and he saw us. Amazing grace, he said, I love him. I want to save him. I want to save her. I want to have a people for myself. I want a treasured possession. Exodus 19 verse 5. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant. Then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Isaiah 43 21. The people I formed for myself. That they may proclaim my praise. Malachi 3.17 They will be mine, says the Lord Almighty, in the day when I make up my jewels, King James. Here, when I make up my treasured possession, I will spare them. There is no logic here. Because no logic can bear this statement. That God considers us as his treasured possession now and forevermore. It breaks all logical thinking. Who am I? Nothing. Just clay, just dust, just grass. Passing breeze that doesn't return falling blossoms. Nothing and less than nothing. But... God says, you are my treasured possession of infinite value to me. First Peter 2 verse 9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Leon Perusion, it says. People of his own possession. He looks at us and receives great delight and pleasure. I don't know why, but this is the truth. Revelation 19, then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Isn't that wonderful? We are the bride of Christ. Pride of Christ. We read Christ loved us and gave himself for us infinite price. Deuteronomy 32 9 we read for the Lord's portion is his people. The Lord's treasure is his people. And Psalm 73, whom have I in heaven but you, and earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and portion forever. God declares, 
We are his portion. And we declare. And that is understandable. Isn't that true? You don't need much thinking. That God is our portion. Yes, we are his portion. And he is our portion. You read in Psalm 119, you are my portion, O Lord, I have promised to obey your words. Truly we are somebody. Somebody. The bride of Christ, nothing less than the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, the treasure of Christ. Do you want some self-esteem? Here it is. Believe in the Bible and you will have all the self-esteem you need. Friends, to create the universe, Christ only commanded. And the whole universe came into existence. But to create the church, he died. The death of the cross. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless, radiating the glory of Christ. He redeemed us away from all lawlessness in the Greek. Sin is transgression of God's law. Sin is lawlessness. By his death Christ took us out of the realm of sin. That we may do righteousness. That we may keep God's commandments. And we read in Colossians 1.13 For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness Taken us out of it And brought us into the kingdom of his dear son Friends, Christ has set us free from the guilt of sin From the punishment of sin From the pollution of sin And the power of sin And when he comes again Even the presence of sin will be abolished He redeemed from anomia From away from lawlessness Self-will asserting itself in defiance of God's will. That's what anomia is. Anyone who is sinning is asserting his self-will against the will of God. That's what happened. Genesis 3, 4. God said, the day you eat thereof, you will surely die. The devil said... You will not surely die. Go ahead and eat it. But for us, so now we are able to take every thought to obey Christ. So Paul says in Titus 2.14 that Christ gave himself to redeem us from all wickedness. And not only that, and to cleanse for himself a very special people, his bride, I say. 
he will have a holy people. If you are not holy, you don't belong to him. We read in the Bible, be holy for I am holy. But also we read, I am the Lord who makes you holy. By the mighty work of the Spirit in your life. Christ who justifies us will also sanctify us. In justification God imputes Christ's righteousness to us. In sanctification he imparts righteousness. He makes us holy by the work of the spirit in us. 1 John 1 7 but if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin and verse 9 if we confess our sins he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness well I said God will have a beautiful bride radiating glory Ezekiel prophesied They will no longer defile themselves with their idols and vile images or with any of their offenses. For I will save them from all their sinful backsliding and I will cleanse them. And Hebrews 10.14 because by one sacrifice he has made perfect. Forever those who are being sanctified. There it is. Justification and progressive sanctification. The justified are being sanctified to be glorified at Christ's second epiphany. What we call epiphany of glory. The people of God are vessels of gold for God's noble use to worship and serve him only forever and ever and ever. That's our future, sir. He is the covenant Lord and we are his obedient covenant people. He loves us and we love him by obeying his holy commandments. He redeemed us individually and incorporated us into his holy church where we are related to Christ, our head, and all members of the body. We do not float independently from here and there and everywhere. We are joined to his church so we live for God and God's family. We are Christ's special people. We belong to him. So we love one another as Christ loves us. So we do good works to please Christ. His holy will is revealed in the Bible so we read the Bible. And we hear the word preached to know and do his will. Like the good soil people, we hear the word, we treasure the word and produce a crop with perseverance, evidencing the reality of our redemption. We are zealous for good works like Phinehas and Josiah and Daniel and Paul himself. 
Let me read to you what Paul said. 1 Corinthians 15.10 But by the grace of God I am what I am and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Grace works, sir. Grace has effects. Grace causes you to obey Christ and do good works. We are to be excited, enthused. You know what enthused means? God in us in theos and when God in us which is true Holy Spirit is dwelling in us we are enthused we are excited we are motivated we are empowered we are enthused about doing God's works expressing our thanksgiving for our salvation friends grace saves us Grace justifies us. Grace sanctifies us. Grace enables us to do every good work. And Paul spoke about fake Christians too. It says they claim to know God, but by their actions they deny him. And listen to what the Holy Spirit speaks. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. Now finally, sir, Paul is speaking to Titus. These things, not anything else. I charge you to teach these things, the word of God. Exhort, reprove with all authority. Let no one despise you. You know, when you despise your father, it's finished. You'll be destroyed. Because respect, respond, and receive a blessing. When you despise God, you are finished. Because delegated authorities are delegated by Christ. Don't let anyone despise you. We are therefore ambassadors of Christ as though God were making his appeal to us. We implore you in behalf of Christ be reconciled to God. Don't despise God's delegated authority. Your kid is disobeying you because they lost respect. So here it is, final exhortation. These things you teach, you encourage, you reprove with all authority. Do not let anyone despise your person. And the same he said to Timothy. 1 Timothy 4.12 Do not let anyone look down on you. I plead with you leaders. Don't let anyone under you look down and despise you. If you let that happen, you don't love those who are under you. It is important that you exercise God-given authority for their good. Teach, exhort these things, not anything else. In this church, friends, 
we teach the Bible. Heavenly Father, we pray that you help us to receive the teaching of grace. That we may live holy life for the glory of God and for our eternal blessing. In Jesus' name, amen.